coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Building in capability so that that founder who has the next brilliant idea, the team can execute towards it in an organized and structured way that gets results. It's a lot of fun when it really starts to happen and you know things that start to change in the environment, decentralized decision-making. The working teams are empowered to make some, the decisions to get to a certain point and, and build and test and see if it works. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Lisa Levy, who is the founder of L-Cubed. What L-Cubed does is they go into companies and they basically future-proof the organization, which what that means is they're looking for bottlenecks and inefficiencies in the way that things are being run today, and they help implement changes and move the company in a more productive, more efficient style of running. Uh, They do that through a number of different techniques and strategies. One of the main challenges when you do this with your company is really what's called change management. And that's changing the mindset of the way that things have quote unquote always been done. So Lisa does a great, great job of breaking down some of the techniques and strategies that you can use to move your company in that direction when you're launching a new program or a new initiative or some type of new internal process. There's always going to be resistance and pushback from the workers, again, because it is something new. So if you're in that situation, uh, Lisa's advice is going to certainly be very, very valuable for you to to listen to. So I hope you enjoy Lisa Levy on Pass the Secret Sauce. My dinner table was a family dinner five or six nights a week, mom, dad, and me. It was, looking back on it, really awesome up until the point in time when I had a driver's license and (laughs) wanted to have a little bit more autonomy and independence. Uh-huh. It ultimately it ultimately became a little bit of a chore, but it also really set a foundation that I brought forward into my adult life. Mm-hmm. And what what types of things did you do you think you brought forward into your adult life? Would you say the need to make quality family time you know a priority and to mm-hmm. sit down and have dinner and talk and understand what happened during the day or the week you know around the table and just you know have that opportunity to share. And, and hear what's really going on. What became interesting, so I don't have kids of my own. Eight years ago, I moved into a family and 
with two teenage kids, um, 13 and 15 when this all started. And we would have regular dinners on the weekends when we were all together and their friends would join us. Mm-hmm. And we would ask them to, you know, we're going to have dinner. Let's sit down, turn off your devices, leave them in the other room. There are no devices at the table. And people, the kids, friends were just blown away by that. They couldn't remember the last time they sat down and had dinner at the table with their family. Interesting. Interesting. It was. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in a similar situation. I, I've been dating a woman who has two teenage kids herself, and we always try to have dinner every night. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a rush to get home and, and get everything made and, and on the table. But, but you know, it is. It's, it's important to be able to, to be together and find out what's, what's gone on that day and, you know, just share. So interesting. It is. And tons of fun as, you know, these, you know, grew up, they are now you know, 21 and 23, but, you know, you know, two years in, it was, you know, not two people sharing the responsibility of cooking dinner. It was four. Yeah. So we had different nights of the week and, you know, we all had, you know, you know, specialties. I do Mexican food, Zach does steak, you know, it just, different things happen and it became, you know, something that we all look forward to. They're out of the house now. And we, even in this crazy time, we're trying to once a month be together, whether it's, you know, barbecuing in the backyard, socially distant because they don't live with us, but it's still very important to everyone. Yeah, no, makes, makes perfect sense. So growing up, were you the entrepreneurial type? Were you, did you have any businesses or things that you tried to start doing when you were, when you were growing up? So I was absolutely not. I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. My father was a real estate developer and my mom was the licenses behind everything that he wanted to do. And I, I learned and saw and experienced feast and famine through my whole life. And I was like, I want a job where I go in on Monday and on Friday I'm done and I get a paycheck and I have vacation time and I have a pension or retirement or whatever that, that you know, ideal situation of corporate life looked like and security, right? I thought that there was security in that. Mm-hmm. And no, I had no desire to be entrepreneurial as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I'm assuming that you, you did move forward with that plan where you, you know, had some, a job working for someone else. And then at some point the entrepreneurial bug hits you. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what changed your mind? What, what made you want to jump in and, and, you know, go through this feast or famine world of entrepreneurialism that we live in? Absolutely. So yes, I, I did, I did some corporate jobs. Some of my corporate jobs were in professional services so starting to get that feel of the engagement, right? Go in, do something, run a project, end it, move on. But the last, the transition, I was in a corporate role. I was building a program management office for a, a growing company. And they had just come out of being, really being a startup. And so it was very entrepreneurial in nature. And they, they wanted to embrace that mindset. And uh, what that meant in that environment was different consultants came in, several times a year, things changed. There was no real direction forward, you know, no, no North Star, even though we talked about the North Star all the time. And I watched it and I listened to the advice that was being given by consultants and advisors. I was listening to the advice that I was giving and trying to help grow, mature, and you know, help this organization become the next version of itself. And I, was, I thought about it and I said, there's a better way of doing this. And I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a consulting firm and I am going to do this differently. 
And what I mean by that from a consulting practice is oftentimes consultants will come in and work within a vertical or a business function and they're very, they're in that space. And so mm -hmm. if you have six C-suite members, you might have six consultants mm -hmm. and they are not necessarily working for the organization's best interest. And I really see the value in breaking silos and working across the functions. And that's where you get the economies of scale for a business to grow and, and thrive. And so that was, it was a random act of defiance against what, what I saw going on around me and just this desire to make it better, make it easier. Everything, as we, as we grow businesses, we take simple concepts and make them complicated for no good reason, mm -hmm. except time and different viewpoints and losing track of what was it that we were going after. So what was the customer's problem that we were trying to solve? How were we trying to help our end users? And sometimes it gets lost. And I just wanted to help businesses find their way back to that core, I hate the word, but it's coming out of my mouth, synergy of working together and getting things done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes makes sense. So did you did you jump right in with both feet? You know, you quit your job and, and, you know, started your consulting company or did you kind of try to break down these silos and break through the different curtains, if you will, in your, your current job? Talk a little bit about how you did that transition. So, yes. So the first thought was let's work it internally. And I was brought in to help do this long story, really short in about a six month window of time, my department, my team, we reported to nine different C-level executives. So they had an identity crisis mm -hmm. is what I'll, I'll go with. And I, there was nothing more I could do there. So yes, I, I cut bait and quit my job and formed a company, you know, and started talking to people that I'd known in the market for at that point, you know, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. and the story resonated and through my network, I began doing work and the work went from company to company. I would bring resources on to work with me to solve different problems. And L cubed is what grew out of that. And our approach, we've, you know, over 12 years, it's become, it's our adaptive transformation framework. And we are, you know, in and out of large organizations and, in the last two years, I've wanted to sort of shift that to smaller organizations where we really can work collectively with the C-suite and make those changes and that transformation across the organization and teach core capabilities to all of the employees we work with. We want to teach them how to manage projects. We want to teach them how to understand if their process is working and if it's not, how to change it and make it better to improve. To understand the processes, do they have controls around the process? Are there metrics and measurements around it? And wrapped around all of that, the idea of organizational change management, taking the people through the journey. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes, 
and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. Helping break down the resistance that we all have, our fear of change. Mm -hmm. And instead of being afraid of it, embracing the idea that what we're doing today is going to make tomorrow different. And tomorrow we're going to look at something else which will make the next day different. And really embrace that ability to keep innovating and evolving. And especially right now, everything has changed. And so leaders need to kind of take a pause and look at what they're doing and how they're doing it see if it's really sustainable in what may be our new post-pandemic you know, economy and just how our workforce wants to work. Yeah, sure. No, and, and that's, so, so you're basically, are you, are you working with, when you're, when you're working with a smaller company, are these companies, you know, do they have a CEO, CMO, you know, just verticals like that and, and not so many fractionalized layers? I, I guess what I'm trying to do is, lay out a, a characteristic of the types of companies that you're working with more on a smaller scale? What, what do they typically look like? How are they organized? So on, on the smaller scale, they still ideally, right, and by the very nature of it, right, adaptive transformation, we can, this is highly customizable to each environment. Mm -hmm. Ideally, we need to be in a place of the organization's maturity where they have some basic business verticals. They have their operations team, they have their sales team, they have their marketing team, they have back office HR, accounting, finance. If they're manufacturing and building stuff, you know, there's a production team. Mm -hmm. They need to have, this isn't you know, in the garage still building the idea of what the business is gonna be. There needs to be some organizational structure. And what we do with them is take them from where they are and help them leapfrog and, and, and manage growth cycles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, are you doing this remotely? Or is this, is this something that can be done remotely or is this something that you would go to the company and spend time on site combination of both? How, do, how does that work? Especially well, with today, today's day and age. Well, yes, everything sort of changed over time in the past. We did a lot of on site strategic visits. I don't want to just embed people for the sake of embedding them in, in different locales, but going in, doing some facilitation on specific topics, taking information away, helping build it and grow it. But what we've learned recently is it is just as effective to do it remotely. There are tools that we can use online to have, in some ways, a richer conversation being virtual because you don't have the sidebar conversations that happen when you have 10 or 12 people in a room. Mm -hmm. We did in the last few months really do some amazing thought work in virtual teams in ways we hadn't before. Always kind of knew it was possible, but had never really had the chance to dig in and take a whole engagement you know, through the, through the cycle, purely virtual. And it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Our geography is not a barrier to us. Yeah, no, that's, that's powerful. I've, I've, I've been in meetings before where, you know, they've, I don't know how you would even do it remotely. So I'm glad to hear that, that you have the option to be able to do this remotely, especially again with, with what's going on today. 
how, what are some of the characteristics of a company that you would, I should say, maybe, maybe let's, let's look at that a different way. If I'm the business owner, what would be some of the things that I would be experiencing or that I would be struggling with that you could help with? You know, how, how would I identify myself as a business owner, as someone who you would be able to help? Absolutely. So business owner or leaders, you know, ideas, things that I have all of these great ideas and my teams can't make them happen in a timely manner. We have this problem and we solve it. And three months later, it's back and we solve it again. Those experiences where you start to become frustrated because things that seem so simple become so convoluted. That's a really great first place to start. The other symptom is, you know, kind of we're growing and to grow, we are adding people and we're adding people just as fast as we possibly can. And we're, that's expensive. Isn't there a better way to do it than adding people? And the answer is absolutely yes, right? And, and looking at how you align your people, your processes, and then enable them with technology. These are feelings and things that get us in the middle of the night. I know I wake up in the middle of the night with either the most brilliant idea I've ever had in my life or something that just absolutely terrifies yeah, me. Yeah, sheer panic. Sheer, sheer un unadulterated panic of, oh my God, I don't, know, I don't know what's happening. And so those are those first triggers, right? Those things that just are running through our heads that there has to be a better way to you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And... You know, with adaptive transformation and working with our client client teams, right? Building in capabilities so that that founder who has the next brilliant idea, the team can execute towards it in an organized and structured way that gets results. It's a lot of fun when it really starts to happen, and you know, things that start to change in the environment, decentralized decision making. The working teams are empowered to make some, the decisions to get to a certain point and, and build and test and see if it works. It also means that we need to really be agile in our thinking and take on small things, see if they work, but be okay failing fast so that we can learn something and do the next thing mm -hmm. and not get you know, trapped in there's only one way to, to achieve a goal. One of the other things that I love to hear in my clients' environments, and I ask them, well, why do you do something? That's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. Oh, Eureka, mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to help improve. And it's really also interesting how quickly a company can start to say, that's the way we've always done it. I've heard that from you know, people, well, we're six months into building something. Okay, if it's not working, why do you do it? Well, you know, that's what we've always done. Mm -hmm. It's it's stifling. So those yeah. are some of the things that, you know, kind of present themselves in day-to-day -day interaction that I know you're, you're smiling as I'm saying some of these things because you've heard all of these things oh, yeah. before. Absolutely. Right? They exist everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you're implementing? Is it, is it software? Is it, you know, again, you, you mentioned processes and systems and, and I guess, Ultimately, what we want to try to be able to do is is paint a picture, and maybe even maybe this is even best done with by you thinking about a, a past client. You know what 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 does tomorrow look like? You know they were doing something very 
analog, very you know, work intensive today? And then how did it streamline? What did that process look like tomorrow? A really easy example of kind of how this all comes together is, you know, thinking about, I'll, I'll use a merger and acquisition kind of scenario. So really you had two companies, two cultures, two ways of doing everything and bringing them into one. Mm-hmm. And the first part about that is understanding people, what their skills are, what their capabilities are, how they spend their days, right? What do they do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? and looking at all of that and sequencing it into processes that are repeatable. So whether Matt's doing the job or Lisa's doing the job, the job gets done the same way. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the technology that they have in their environment and does that technology do what they needed it to do? Probably not. And there's also a probability that it has to deal with how it was configured And not that the system isn't capable, but it was configured for processes that weren't well-defined. So we really like to look at what exists in-house first to leverage it Mm -hmm. before advising on a big uplift on spend for technology to do something that they may already be able to do. They just didn't know. As a company grows and we're a year down the line, new technology may be absolutely necessary and we can help go through you know, a selection process, buy it, build it, whatever that may be. We are not the technologists who will do the implementations. We wanna stay really focused on the business and what the business needs and technology is an enabler to that. But that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, so so you you're the one who goes in and cleans everything up before the technologists come in to you know implement whatever that whatever that software is system is whatever you know, whatever the, the implementation is. Right, and we will work with you know with the client as you know a, a resource to help make sure that as requirements are defined and things happen, we can stay with them through the implementation process to make sure that all of the alignment is there and that the processes really are enabled by the technology. And you know, sometimes that means the process doesn't work as well as it could and the technology may have a better way of doing it. And so we do some tweaks and refinements, but in, in the spirit of ongoing continuous improvement, yes, we absolutely would partner and, and go through that whole life cycle. Yeah. And, and how about the employees or the people that are doing these processes or, or you know, finishing whatever it is that, that these systems are, are doing? Talk a little bit about what their life looks like. I mean, were they very frustrated before? And, you know, then there's this sense of, again, I'm able to get so much more done. What, what, what do their lives look like? So they are very important to our process. And having them be a part and be an active part of the engagements is crucial. Early on, I found that we ended up in engagements where it sounded something like this. We're implementing a new system in 90 days we really need to make sure that the people know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Can you make that happen? Okay. Have they been involved in designing and putting forth the requirements for the system? Well, no, we're just doing it off the shelf. Okay. So we have to retrofit back in processes to fit system. And then we have people who have been listening to this experience of new system coming into the world, but they've had no voice in it. So they are not only resistant, they're usually angry. And so with organizational change management, right, we want to start talking with the individuals very quickly and really the earlier in the process, the better about what's in it for them. 
how this is all going to make their job easier, how what they do today is probably going to look different tomorrow, but that means they can do new things and different things and they can grow their skills, their capabilities, their interests with the company as it does new and different things. So really like to start with the people at the beginning so that they are agents, you know, they're change agents. They want the new thing because mm -hmm. it makes a difference rather than it's getting forced on them. And, you know, I spent the first 15 years kind of of my career in IT project implementation. And we did that to people all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you get closer and closer to launch and time is running out, the thing that gets really shortcutted then is training and, you know, and making that, helping people transition to that oh yeah, let's flip it. Let's do that at the very beginning and get them ready. Mm -hmm. And then going to training is exciting and interesting and not a, oh, you know, what are they going to do to me this time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How's my life going to suck? Yeah, exactly. We want, we want less suck then. Yes. We want less suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's great. And, and I've seen this time and time again, where again, people are, are, you know, forced into different situations. Like you said, they don't have a voice. They're not given a voice in any of this. And and you're right. I mean, they do just absolutely rebel against that entire, you know, that entire process. Do you have any insight into how you can, you know, because I'm assuming that there's, there's sort of a progression with this. Like you, you bring on the staff, you bring on, you know, the people that are going to be using this system early on, in the in the process and they're you know, involved to an extent throughout the process but there's probably a, a gap a lag there where you know maybe they're not as involved in that in that process can you talk about how you go about making sure that I, I guess everything is captured that they that they typically need to do you know again this might be a little bit you know a little bit detailed but what we found is that sometimes throughout the process you know the person was having a, a bad day what have you you know we're going through this is what this is how they do their their daily task whatever it is but they forgot a couple of steps or they forgot you know some things that they do and then you know you you fast forward a month or whatever it is down the road and and now you have this idea of what needs to happen and there's these missing pieces does that does that resonate does that happen you know in in your process of at all and is that it does yeah, any of, of course it does so you know that you know sort of brings into mind that you know what we do is you know it's it's agile in nature right and so there are things that do get missed along the way and then you know can be reprioritized in at, at an appropriate time before that you were kind of going down a path and you know, how do you keep people engaged in the lulls, yes. right? Cause there's yeah. times when there's just, there's work that's happening that the masses aren't involved in. And that is, you know, that's, it's about having a communication plan. Think of it as an internal marketing plan. And once a month, there's something that happens that engages the larger audience to show progress to admit when there are hurdles and obstacles and, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a newsletter, which suck, but really, you know, how, but sometimes you just have to get, that's just the easiest way to get information out, right? We send emails, we have online town halls, you have, you know, opportunities, show and tells, if we're talking about a system being developed, 
you know, incrementally, let's show them what some screens look like and what it's going to do and what that flow looks like. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be beautiful, but it is important for everyone to sort of start to see what it is and what it's going to look like in the future. So there are no surprises at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I love it. Lisa, if people wanted to reach out and learn more about, about your process, your, your system, how would you suggest the best way to, to do that would be? The easiest way to find information is at www.lcubedconsulting.com. With the book that I launched, there's also futureproofingcubed.com as a website. So whatever words just resonated best to your ears will take you to the same place. Excellent. And who did you write the book for? Who's the... the the uh, Future Proofing Cubed is written, it is a description of the adaptive transformation process with lots of stories from different people and different perspectives on there and how this all fits together. It's for people who want to do and run their business more effectively and efficiently than they are right now. We've just talked about most of the key components, but it's probably more fun in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to you and I, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, they might be more fun. I don't yeah, know. Never you, know. Yeah. <laughs> Some people learn better reading. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. No, Lisa, this is fantastic. I love your concept and, and you know, companies I know, I, I see this all the time. Companies certainly need the ability to be able to, you know, pull everything together and, and get out of the silos and, you know, get, get rid of all of the pain and frustration of, you know, things getting transferred from one department to the other. So, so great job on, on, you know, launching that business. Really impressive. Great, Matt. I so appreciate your time. And this was a great conversation. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.